0: and welcome to The Bunker. I'm Ros Taylor. Inflation is the parent of unemployment and the unseen robber of those who have saved. That's a quote from Margaret Thatcher, who saw it as her mission to tame inflation. 9.7%. Over the past year, we've all noticed prices creeping up when it comes to energy bills, rocketing up. But why does inflation rise? What comes next? And what can policymakers do about it? With me to talk about inflation is Baroness Minoosh Shafiq. She's the Director of the London School of Economics and eminently qualified to tell us about this topic. She's been Vice President of the World Bank, Deputy Governor of the Bank of England between 2014 and 2017, and is now a crossbench peer in the House of Lords. Welcome to the bunker, Baroness Shafiq. Well, very nice to be here, Roz. The first thing to say about inflation is that this is not just a British problem. Prices are going up all over the world. In Turkey, inflation hit nearly 55% earlier this year. We know that energy prices are a big
1: driver of this, but why have energy prices gone up? Well, energy prices have gone up essentially because of the war in Ukraine and how that's disrupted energy markets around the world. And what effect has COVID had? Well, COVID has caused upward pressure on inflation really for quite a while because of what's happened to global supply chains. So products that we used to get from China, for example, have been held up in ports because of lockdowns and disruptions in delivering goods around the world. And because people have been stuck at home, they've consumed more goods than services. So if you can't go out to a restaurant, you can order something online instead with your income. And so that's put even more upward pressure on the demand for goods. And so we've seen an increase in goods price inflation uh, around the world.
0: Some people in the UK, obviously not everyone, saved a lot of money during the pandemic because they didn't have to travel to work, they couldn't take holidays, they might not have had to spend so much on childcare. Are we seeing an effect on inflation now that they may be spending that money?
1: There's probably a bit of that going on. Is There's pent-up demand, people weren't able to do certain things, and now they would like to do that holidays, for example, where demand for travel has gone up massively uh, now that restrictions have been lifted is is a good example of that. And there has been inflation in travel costs and flight bookings and hotels and so on as an illustration.
0: Let's look back at the last time there was very high inflation in the UK. That was in the 1970s when inflation rose at one point to around 25%. What were the driving forces behind inflation back then?
1: Well, back then it was a very different world because we didn't have an independent central bank and governments were much more involved in in determining the money supply and therefore determining the effect of inflation. And so, you know, there was a combination of uh, deficits, of an unwillingness to get those under control and other factors around wages that, that determined inflation in the 70s today we're in a we are in a different institutional setup where the responsibility for for dealing with inflation lies with the Bank of England and they have a, a mandate from the government to keep inflation at two percent uh, and it's their job through what they do with interest rates to uh, to try and meet that target so back then The government didn't have the
0: Bank of England control interest rates; it did that itself. How did the government eventually bear down on inflation uh, after the crisis in the
1: 1970s? How long did it take? Oh, it took it took a while, and of course, it was a combination of both monetary restraint and fiscal restraint that was necessary to try and and bring down those levels of inflation. There was also downward pressure on wages in order to keep. wage settlements down in order to reduce what what economists call the risk of a wage price spiral, where wages go up because people are feeling higher prices. That means that the prices of goods then start to go up. And then that fuels yet more demands for higher wages. And when you fall into that trap, as many countries did in the 1970s, it's really hard to get inflation under control.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about that because before he resigned, Boris Johnson spoke about the need for pay restraint among public sector workers. The governor of the Bank of England has said that as well. One of the quickest ways to fight inflation would be to hold wages down. But understandably, public sector workers don't agree. And of course, we're seeing a lot of strikes now as a result. Is this going to be the biggest challenge you think facing the new PM
1: when they come in in the autumn? It will definitely be one of the biggest challenges. You know, I think the right answer to that dilemma is to have, you know, the Bank of England will have to raise interest rates. We know that. Uh, but the government's job is to make sure that the most vulnerable, those on the lowest wages are protected and those who can afford to incur some some wage restraint uh, do that. And so... I think politically, that is the best way to deal with with that trade off. So, for the past
0: few months, the Bank of England has indeed been raising interest rates by a quarter of a point each
1: month. Will they go further? And if so, when? Oh, I, I, I'm not going to get in the business of predicting when they'll when they'll go further. But will they continue to raise rates in the months ahead? I think I think most certainly.
0: So, just for those of us who are not economists, um, can you explain how raising interest rates affects? Uh, inflation and what, what it's intended to do and what the mechanisms are?
1: So when the Bank of England raises interest rates, it does many things that has many consequences. One is that it increases returns to savers. So people want to save more. You know, It affects people's consumption patterns. Um, and it means that those who have debts will have to constrain themselves because the cost of servicing those debts goes up. And so in general, the purpose of it is to reduce the demand pressures in the economy. Uh, And if there's less demand, that means that prices will fall over time. So it's a mainly managing the demand side of the economy. The Bank of England doesn't have any tools to deal with the supply side of the economy. You know, whether they lower interest rates or raise them has no effect on what's happening to supply chains in China, for example. There's no traction there. But what, what monetary policy can do is really affect demand in the economy. And what can the government itself do? Well, the government spends quite a lot itself. And so just like households, restrain spending. Uh, Governments too need to kind of restrain their spending in order to help not fuel inflation. On the other hand, it is also government's job to make sure that those who are most vulnerable in the society don't suffer as a result of inflation. And so focusing government spending on those who are the most needy is, is the best way to both exercise restraint, but also take care of the most vulnerable.
0: And what would happen if the government were to cut taxes? What effect would that have on inflation?
1: Well, uh, cutting taxes means enabling people to spend more. Uh, And unless it's very targeted, as as I've said, in terms of focusing on the most vulnerable, which achieves the objective of social protection, uh, there is a risk that it is inflationary. Um, It depends, you know, what people do with with that additional income but some proportion of it will be spent.
0: The economist Milton Friedman said that inflation is just like alcoholism. The good effects come first. What did he mean by that? And
1: does that have a lesson for us now? <laughs> I guess what he meant by that was that, uh, you know, in the beginning you feel great and then you have a hangover afterwards, which you have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> Um, there is no doubt that in order to get inflation under control you have to have a period of restraint both monetary restraint and usually fiscal constraint restraint as well Now, you may well ask why do that what why would you allow people to suffer as a result of that restraint but but the truth is the problem with inflation is it is it is a tax on the population it makes everybody have to pay more for things and it hurts the poor most because poor people have the least ability to protect themselves from inflation risks richer people can use financial instruments can use all sorts of things to mean that inflation doesn't affect them as adversely and of course they have more resources to cushion themselves so you know economists will often say inflation is the is the most regressive tax it it taxes poor people more than rich people and so it is really important to to get it under control. At the same time, it penalizes
0: people who are, haven't got an income because if they're relying on their savings, then their savings are gradually being eroded in value, aren't they?
1: That's true. That's true. And on the flip side, as the Bank of England raises rates, the return to savings will go up. And so that will help those people who who rely on their savings to for their income. So yes, inflation is really bad for savers. It's quite handy for debtors because the, the value of their debt diminishes over time. So if you have a lot of debt, inflation makes it much easier to repay your debt.
0: I'm wondering if we're in a difficult stage now where we don't really appreciate yet how bad things are going to get. Partly because the price rises in energy haven't all of them fed through to other other services that use energy. And partly because there are so many job vacancies in the UK at the moment, I think 1.3 million at the last count. And we all know workplaces that just can't recruit enough people. What will be the next you know, stage of that? Because as infl- inflation takes its toll, people will simply not be able to take on
1: so many workers will they how will that play out Mm. well you're right to say that the energy price increases haven't completely fed through yet which is why the bank of england is predicting even higher inflation in the autumn as the next adjustments occur to household energy bills and that will be very painful and you're also right to point out the issue of vacancies because the problem with the vacancies is that uh, that will put more upward pressure on wages because as we've seen Many firms are paying higher wages in order to retain existing workers or recruit new ones. So where does that take you? I think the answer has to be in terms of thinking about a couple of things. One is many people dropped out of the labor market during COVID. Both women dropped out, but also older men dropped out uh, of the labor market, particularly men over 50. And I think we need to find ways to make it attractive for those workers to come back in the labor market uh, through things like supporting childcare costs better. That was hugely important for whether women will go back into the labor market. Improving management and flexibility in, in, in the workplace. All of those measures will try and increase the amount of people who are working, and that will help. The other key thing is that, you know, you. Probably in the longer term, the bigger worry for the UK economy is that productivity remains stagnant. And so one would hope that one of the responses to all these vacancies is that firms will do more in terms of automation and making their workplaces more efficient so that they can get more productivity out of existing workers.
0: The question of women in the workplace is a very interesting one, I think, because there were predictions during COVID that a lot of women will be forced out of the workforce because of their childcare responsibilities. But in the end, that didn't happen. And there was a stat out last few days that said that the number of the percentage of uh, mothers who are working is now 75%, which is, I think, the highest it's ever been. So I wonder how much scope there is to get more women back into the workforce would it be is it maybe a question instead of of making it more more difficult for people to draw down pensions early for example
1: women working in the uk has has increased but actually we're still a lot lower than say many nordic countries where they have higher rates of female labour force participation because they're they're very generous on childcare so i do think we have more room to go in terms of being able to support women to stay in work, particularly when you look at the fact that we have the most expensive childcare in Europe. And if we supported young families more, we could we could increase their ability to to fill all those vacancies.
0: There are several different ways to measure inflation. There's not just one, the standard one, which is where the 9.7% inflation figure comes from is the consumer price index, a basket of goods that the that is updated regularly by the Office of National Statistics to make sure that it reflects what actually people are buying now. And Mm. economists disagree about the best one to choose, the best measure that's most reflective of how much prices are actually going up. Do we have good enough data to understand that different groups of people can be facing very different inflation rates in Britain today?
1: Well that is very true because the CPI uh, the consumer price index is is a construction of the average basket of goods that people consume and what the prices of those are but of course none of us is the average some of us consume some things more than others and so the inflation that we face will depend very much on what our on what our individual consumption is but on average, I think the CPI is a pretty reasonable measure. I, I think there, you know, there are other measures out there like the RPI, which you'll see people refer to occasionally, uh, which is which is a lot less reliable and very problematic for a lot of very boring statistical reasons, which I won't go into. But, but in general, for the average person, the CPI is at least a, a good starting point for understanding inflationary pressures.
0: Because some people may think or may say that, well, look at my energy bills. They ha- will have doubled in a year by the autumn. Mm-hmm. Look at the amount of money I spend on rent, which is also still going up. And they may think that because they spend so much of their income on these things, on energy mm-hmm. and on rent, that what, they, what the government says is the headline inflation rate is not the true inflation rate for them. Do they have a point?
1: I mean, they have a point if they, for whatever reason, consume more energy than the average person or consume a kind of housing that's facing more inflation than the average person. Um, and that will depend on their individual circumstances. So
0: if they're living in, you know, a house, for example, where the landlord controls
1: the level of the insulation and uh, how, how, yes, then they may be in a much worse position. Exactly. Or if they have a job, for example, where they have to travel a long distance to go to work, then the kind of energy price inflation that they would face as an individual in terms of the share of their income that would have to go to energy would go up uh, compared to somebody who didn't have to travel a long distance, for example. Do you worry that some people will
0: simply not be able to pay their bills? this winter? Because it seems to me that the prices are going up so fast. Some people will struggle and struggle and struggle and somehow manage to pay their bills and possibly get into debt in order to do so. And others may say, I just can't do this. I'm going to carry on watching the red bills come in. Is
1: that that a distinct possibility? Oh, there will certainly be some people who will not be able to cover these costs, which is why it's so important that government provides a cushion to those who are who fall into that category and you know we have targeted mechanisms to help those who are most vulnerable whether it's you know universal credit or ways to support people through their energy bills and for me i think the most important thing governments can do at this point is support those vulnerable individuals rather than focusing on tax credits and other things which will possibly fuel inflation and also benefit richer households more than poorer households. Now is the time to focus the fiscal capacity that the government has on protecting those vulnerable groups.
0: Looking beyond Britain, food prices in the Global South are going up fast, partly due to Mm. the issues with wheat and so on in Ukraine and Russia. Which countries are you most
1: concerned about? It's very, very serious. Uh, And I think the parts of the world that are most vulnerable are the poor countries that are big food importers. And here I'm thinking in the Middle East and Africa in particular. The other problem for for developing countries is that the effect of inflation in poorer countries is even more severe because people tend to spend a greater proportion of their income on food. So in a rich country... Average households will spend 10 to 15 percent of their income on food. In a poorer country, people can spend 50, 60, sometimes 70 percent of their income on food. So the impact of inflation on them is far more severe. You know, the last time we had a big spike in food and fuel prices after the financial crisis in 2008, you know, we saw political unrest in more than 40 countries as a result of it. Uh, it's not just poor countries too. Actually, in middle-income and rich countries, people people demonstrate because of high inflation, and so it's a, it, it is a it is a big political and social risk as well as an economic one.
0: One of the countries which has suffered most from inflation is Turkey. Mm. Why have they not managed to bear down on inflation?
1: Are they? Are they do you think yeah. they're getting it wrong? Well, Turkey is a is a is a very special case because they had inflation before. The global inflation crisis that we've seen in the wake of covid and ukraine they had inflation well before that and that was because uh the central bank in turkey has faced huge political interference uh, and been blocked from raising interest rates and so they've had a triple whammy as opposed to a double whammy they've had the first the problem of of not having a, a genuinely independent central bank and so therefore they've had not been able to raise interest rates and then compounded by the whammy that the rest of us have experienced, which is the pandemic and the effect of the war in Ukraine on on, on global supply. Governments are going to be
0: tempted to interfere with central banks, aren't they? increasingly. uh, Is that something that particularly worries you as someone who has first at hand experience of
1: sitting on monetary policy committees? Well, I think Turkey's a poster child for what goes wrong when governments do interfere with independent central banks. And it's not a happy story. Um, And, you know, you look at the history of the 1970s. And again, it's not a happy story. Um, So I think the evidence is so clear when you look around the world at whether independent central banks do have a track record of lower inflation than what existed prior to having independent central banks. And so you're right, there may be a temptation to interfere, um, but I would like to think that any government that does so will be, will be punished by the markets who, who kind of know what will happen once you have political, politically motivated monetary policy. Finally, a number of
0: economists have predicted that Britain will be in recession
1: by the end of this year. Do you agree? The term recession is used very loosely, but for economists, it means having two quarters of negative growth. Um, And so it has a pretty specific meaning. I think Britain will face very slow growth in the year ahead. Um, And it will face very slow growth for for a, a fundamental structural reason, which is that Growth rates have been very low, actually, since... since, Well, growth rates have been pretty low since the financial crisis, and there are long-term reasons around the low rates of productivity in in the UK that have caused that. And on top of that, we'll have very low growth because there will be tightening of monetary policy and an attempt to try and reduce demand in the economy. Uh, And both of those uh, mean that, you know we have a very difficult year ahead, I'm afraid.
0: Baroness Shafiq, thanks so much for joining me and doing such a great job of explaining these often difficult economic concepts.
1: Well, my pleasure. And uh, I hope it illuminates the issue and at least clarifies what what we need to do to, to get to a better place.
0: We know it's a hard sell when inflation is nearly 10%, but if you'd like to support The Bunker and keep it free for everyone, you can choose how much you'd like to contribute. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast. Tiers start from as little as £2 a month with extra benefits too. I'm Ros Taylor. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. The Bunker Daily was presented by Ros Taylor. The audio production from me, Robin Lieber. The producers are Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofrenaevich. and assistant producer is Kasia Tomaszewicz. Lead producer is Jacob Jarvis. Group editor Andrew Harrison. Our theme tunes from Kenny Dickinson.
1: And the bunker is a Podmasters production.